Good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. Uh, this is probably the last Sunday I can say Happy New Year before this just becomes the year. Uh, but Happy New Year anyway. Uh, to bring in the new year, uh, we decided the best way to do that was to be swimming in the North Sea. So we went in 15 seconds before uh, midnight and then came out a couple minutes after. Um, so we can end 2020 and start 2021 in the sea. Uh, would recommend for all of you for next year. Uh, this year we are starting the book of James, as Harley mentioned. Uh, and for the kids out there, I have a quick trivia question on the book of James. Uh, so James, who wrote this, he is not the disciple James, but he is another James. And he had a very famous brother. Uh, so I want to ask you, who do you think that brother was? Uh, if you said Harley as your answer, uh, you are sadly wrong. He is not that old. But James's brother was Jesus. Uh, if in doubt and you have a, a question to answer at church, just say Jesus and about 95% of the time you'll be right anyway. Uh, James, uh, as he is writing, he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for most of James's life, he would have described himself very differently. We read a little bit about James in the Gospels and we learn that he was not a believer. In fact, he wasn't a believer in, in Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah until after Jesus has risen again. But now, as we see, he is a changed person. He believes in Jesus, and he is writing to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. These are Jewish Christians that don't live in Jerusalem. Uh, they're scattered uh, across much of the world, uh, living in completely different conditions from one another. And in this book, he, he gives them and he gives to us a lot of challenges. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty hard read at times. Uh, at times we'll feel incredibly convicted of our sin or, or just our lifestyle. And today is the same. He's talking about what we are to do when our faith comes under trial. He calls us to be steadfast when our faith is put to the test. So in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, he leaves trials of various kinds as a kind of vague phrase on purpose. And by saying trials of various kinds, it incorporates all the different trials of all the people that he's writing to who are living right across the world. And so they're facing completely different trials from one another. What James probably has in mind is persecution. Uh, we know that much of the church suffered huge persecution for the first few hundred years. Uh, he also has, and we'll get to this in verses 13 to 15, he talks about the trial of temptation, when we are tempted to sin. And even this word trial in verse 2 is most commonly translated in the New Testament as temptation. So as we go through and we see trials and temptations, we want to kind of think, uh, think of them as much as, what, as one of the same here. Now for them, uh, trials of various kinds, persecution, temptation. And at times we'll feel uh, those two, especially in this country, the temptation to sin, but not so much the persecution. But in talking of trials of various kinds, he's leaving room here for us to insert the trials that we face on a day-to-day -day that would be different to what they faced back then. Uh, so at the moment, uh, we can obviously think of so many trials that are going on around us and things that really test our faith. Um, so a huge one would be the lack of being able to physically meet together as a church. Uh, for some, it'll be uh, almost a year 
since you were able to come to a church service. And being able to, to meet like this is, is good and to, to meet on Zoom is good, but we know it's not the same. Uh, and Martin, uh, earlier in a sermon, helpfully um, showed us that, that not being able to meet together, not being able to encourage one another face to face, not being able to take communion together, is going to have an impact on our faith. It's going to be a trial for it. Uh, for many, there'll be other trials at this time. Uh, they'll be job-related, or they'll be health-related, or family-related. And so there are so many trials for each of us. And through all of these, we are called to remain steadfast in them. In fact, James gives us five instructions here of how we are to react to these sorts of trials. These are the five. So the first is to count it all joy. The second is to pray. The third is to look to eternal things. The fourth is to put off sin. And the fifth is to remember who is at work in you. And we'll just go through those five and see what James is saying to us. So first, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now this is a huge call from James. To count it all joy when you face difficult trials. Because he knows, obviously, that, that our reaction when we face trials is not going to be joy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to instruct it. So when I got a new Xbox for Christmas, nobody had to tell me to count it all joy that I got a new Xbox. Obviously it's a joy. It's the best present anybody's ever received at Christmas. But these trials naturally have an opposite reaction in us. When we're faced with trials, um, we, we will be sad, we will be angry, we will be worried. And James is calling us, even though these trials are tough, to count them all for joy. And now I do want to be clear, this does not mean that, that when trials come, we just kind of brush them under the carpet. Or that we turn off our emotions that might be kind of negative. We are to count it all joy, but we are also to, uh, to lament sometimes. To cry out to God in desperation. When we see Jesus uh, in the Gospels, he is not always a joyful Jesus. There are times where he is crying. And he is desperate. But through all these trials, we can count them as joy because of what they produce in us. Of how God turns these trials into things that produce steadfastness in us. And steadfastness comes from the testing of our faith. So imagine if you were uh, part of a sports team. So let's say a rugby team. And you wanted to get better as a rugby team. But all the opposition you were playing uh, were really rubbish, and so it was just every game was super easy. The only way for you to come, become better is for your team to be tested. And you want to be tested against the best teams. And when you're tested against the best teams, you'll be able to know what you've got to work on to strengthen your team. And your team will get better, and it will become stronger. And so when you come up against more good teams, you'll still be able to do well. 
That's like the testing of our faith. Only in the testing of our faith is steadfastness produced. Because our faith comes under an attack and question from these trials. And we have to stand against them. And not just to, to remain calm in trials or to do okay, but to count these trials as joy. Because they will strengthen our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second instruction from James is to pray. He says in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. These trials are, are not like trials to see if we pass the test to earn God's favour. We are not doing these trials to become a Christian. But these trials come when, once we are a Christian. And they're not meant to, uh, to separate us from God, but they're meant to grow our dependence on God. And very quickly, when trials come, we will realise that, that we don't have the answers to face all of these. That there's going to be uh, things that come to us that simply by ourselves we can't manage and we can't control. And that is so okay. James uh, and no one in the Bible will call us uh, to be perfect at just brushing trials away and, and doing okay and that being all we have to do. No, we are called to be dependent on God. Very quickly, if we try to do all these things on our own, we will fail. And you may have no noticed when it was read uh, that verse 6 is a pretty huge call as well. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. To ask in faith with no doubting. That is a challenge. Um, but what James is actually asking us not to doubt may be different to what we were thinking uh, the doubt was about. So for James here, there is no doubt about God's existence. James has seen Jesus once J Jesus has risen from the dead. So he's not asking them not to doubt God in general. He's asking them not to doubt who this God is. Because James has just told them. God is a God who will give you wisdom if you ask. So you do not need to doubt who God is. James has just told you. God is a God who is a giver of good gifts. That's what we see in verse 17. He is a God who loves to give wisdom to his people. And he gives without reproach. And so when trials come and, and we are confused and we don't know what to do, or we don't know how we could carry on, James calls us to turn away from ourselves and turn to God and pray and ask for wisdom. The third thing that James calls us to is to look to that which is eternal. We see this in verses 11 and 12. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
James paints a, a contrast here between things that will perish and fade away, things of this earth and that which is eternal, the crown of life. So often in trials, we realise that those things that we cling to so often ultimately will fail us at some point. Relationships will, will go through turbulent times and break down. Uh, we know at the moment that the health and job security are not things we can put our full trust in. And so we need to cling uh, to something bigger, something more eternal. We need to be steadfast in our faith. Because God will, will, will not let us down. And when trials are, are with us, and they seem like they're not really going to have an end, that this trial is just ongoing and ongoing, we can look forward to Jesus' return. When we receive that crown of life from God. When he comes back and trials will be no more. We know that these trials we face at the moment, they will have an end. They will have an end and Jesus will return in glory. The fourth thing James calls us to is to put off sin. And this is verses 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Uh, often when we think of sin, we try and uh, blame external things for the reasons that we sin. But James is pointing out um, that, our, that our sin comes from within, from our heart's own desire to love sin more than we would love God. Uh, to illustrate this, uh, so there are things that will be uh, tempting for me that are not tempting for you. Um, and so that means that it's not about the thing that is tempting, but our own hearts that are tempted. Uh, so on a day where I wake up early, so it's like 10.30 or 11, Often I'm really tempted to just go back to sleep for another two or three hours. But for many of you, you'll be far more tempted to uh, make your screaming child be quiet. Uh, or to get up and go for a run or something like that. Uh, we are tempted by different things based on what our heart loves. And so uh, in trials, when we are tempted to rely on things other than God... Or when our trial is just the temptation to sin itself, that we would grow to love sin more than we would love God. We can't look at something else and blame that. We have to look at ourselves and realize the sin is in our very hearts. And if we just allow this sin to grow, James tells us what a disaster that is. When sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. And now as long as we're on this earth, temptation will be a real thing. There'll be so many uh, opportunities for sin. So many times where choosing not God seems like the best and most fun option. But we have to remain steadfast. Temptation will be there, but we can still remain strong in the Lord. Uh, Martin Luther, the reformer, um, has a brilliant quote just on this. 
He says you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Temptation to sin will always come into our minds. But if we are a Christian, we have a choice to not sin. We have the spirit living inside of us. And so we can say no. We can cling to the Lord and we can say no to the sin that leads to death. And the fifth thing James calls us to, and this is something that really kind of overarches the rest of the points, is to remember who it is that is at work in you. Let me read verses 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I wonder, uh, as you hear the, the call to be steadfast during trials, if your mind goes back to, to times when that certainly hasn't been the case. And you hear it as a, a really big call, and inside you think, I can't do this. Or I wonder, and I assume this is probably less common, you hear the call to be steadfast, and you look back at your life and think, yeah, I'm amazing at that. When trials come, I am so good at just batting it off and being okay. But what James wants uh, to call us to is to remember that the one who is working in us is Jesus. And he is the only hope we have for following any of these instructions from James. It is Jesus working in us. Only because of Jesus can we count trials as joy. Only because of Jesus can we pray. Only because of Jesus can we look to eternal things. Only because of Jesus can we put off sin. And we know this because when we read in verse 15 that sin when it is fully grown leads to death. Now for all of us, Christian or not, at some point in our lives that has been our story. Sin fully grown in us. Death coming to us. And it is only through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection that we are freed from that death that comes from sin. Only through Jesus' work in us are we free. That's why in verse 18, James writes, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. You see, when we were all living in sin, we were content to do so. Sin seemed like what we wanted, and we lived in it. But Jesus Christ, who is rich in mercy went to the cross to free us from that sin and that death. And he rose again to show us that the crown of life is his to give us. He rose again, meaning that, that he is going to come back one day with that crown of life. That he will return to us. As we go through um, our lives this year, there will be trials that come, and some will be expected and some will be a surprise. And we will not remain Christian just by how hard we try and cling on to Jesus. 
We could try with all our might to cling on to Jesus and our grip will slip away. But we are not steadfast because we hold on to Jesus. We are steadfast because Jesus is living in us. We are steadfast because Jesus is living in us. And so if you can see in your life in the past day or week or month or year, uh, times when your grip on Jesus has fallen away. Do not worry, but, but trust that Jesus is living in you. Ask him for grace. Turn to him in prayer. And I want to leave you uh, with a verse from a Getty song. It says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Amen.